Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on Twitter at jadeoxfordrose and some permutation of Oxford Rose on most places on the internet. Uh, and I use they them pronouns. Did I say that yet? If I did, you get to hear it twice. <laughs> we'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today... We're talking about the Hork-Bajir Chronicles. We made it, fam. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> now, I've, I've got to ask, because this one intrigued me when I went into the document to open the PDF. It's labeled as 22.5 in mm-hmm. my folder. Is that is there discrepancy or is it just like when you wanted to put it into our reading? Uh, so the publication time puts it, I think right about the time that 23 was released or a little bit mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. um but the chronological placement of it is frequently after 19 because in it tobias talks about how there are no animorphs missions plans uh it's been kind of quiet like nothing really going on and none of that describes anything that happened in the david arc fair enough <laughs> um and it also has a lot of like narrative uh, callbacks and parallels to the stuff that we learn in 19. And so I think thematically it works really well here. Um, cool. And it's definitely happens before the events of 23 because of things we learn in 23 or things Tobias learns in 23. Um, gotcha. So. Okay. Before we do the warnings, I need to t- give a shout out to this fucking cover because holy <laughs> shit, there is like pearlescent sparkles on this. Uh-huh. Not to mention this romance novel cover right here. <laughs> yes, this is a knife lizard and an andalite, but also I yeah. don't know why they chose to give this Hawk Bajir come to bed eyes on the cover of this book, but they have. <laughs> shout out to the artist i don't know how to feel about this but it's definitely a choice so i think maybe it's just it's the first time i've experienced looking at a hawk bashir like directly face on uh-huh. rather uh-huh. than in profile and unlike birds of prey manages to not look like a complete dork in the process yeah yeah props it's, to the hawk bashir <laughs> yeah uh and the back cover art is of course the picture that i love to share um, <laughs> uh, of of the two of them uh being super close um, uh-huh the one that's the icon for our dumb yes. kids chat <laughs> uh-huh yeah you know <laughs> i love it i want to i want to have it the the artist of the cover actually uh has re- started releasing prints and mm-hmm. i want the cover art for the for the Hork-Bajir chronicles so bad <laughs> I want it so bad. Uh, <sighs> Incredible. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, book specific content warnings. There's a yes. few. There, there are many, in fact. Uh, so, book specific content warnings include uh, ableism, because we're talking about the Hork Bajir, colonialist narratives, because we're talking about the Hork Bajir, war allegories, 
uh, Yerk POV, uh, because we get a bit of Esplin's POV here, and it's kind of gross when he infests a person. Uh, manipulation and unhealthy relationships, uh, because Andrea is a fucking complicated character. Uh, genocide, because we're talking about the Andalites. Uh, and biological warfare, because we're talking about the Andalites and the Hork-Bajir War. Um, we should maybe, um, it's not directly discussed, but I know mm-hmm. you commented on it on our Um, themes around like eugenics. Yes. Yeah, so. that is related related to the colonial colonialist narratives. I think a little bit. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's there's a lot, a lot that happens. Uh, I very dearly love this book and I love the story that's in it. Uh, but who boy, Ka could have made some different choices to make this less skeevy and gross and just racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like. Yeah, like, spoilers, it's hella racist. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it and talk about its good points, but, like, it's something that I couldn't shake reading us. Racist, xenophobic, mm-hmm. white supremacy e. <sighs> we're going to get into it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that all of our listeners know, um, so we're going to go through this book, give it our usual treatment, um, but then the episode after this is going to be a round table. We have invited two guests, or actually three guests, um, that I am very excited to have on the show. One is a returning guest, Izzy, and the other two are uh, content creators in the Animorphs fandom as well. Um, and I'm very excited to have this round table and just talk about a lot of this shit so if we don't go super duper into depth about it here uh we're definitely going to point it out but if we don't go super duper into depth of it here uh that's partly why the conversation Um, is coming (laughs) the conversation is coming and we wanted to make sure we had non-white voices in that conversation yeah like and but also we didn't want to bog down an important conversation about the themes by just like squeeing about the plot and right Right. Relationships and things like that. So, yep. Exactly. All right. So the book starts uh, with a prologue uh, and Tobias. Uh, Tobias can't sleep. He's restless. He's kind of just flying around. Uh, and without really realizing it, he finds himself heading towards the uh, Hork-Bajir Valley in the mountains. This is the first time we've uh, been there since we dropped the Hork-Bajir off there, basically. Um, and uh, although Tobias is, like, kicking himself for flying all the way out here when it's getting dark and all that sort of thing, the thing that he sees when he arrives is a young, free Hork-Bajir. Uh, it is Jera and Ket's uh, daughter, we learn. Um, and it's the first Hork-Bajir child born free in a very long time. Uh, which is in itself a lot of fridge horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, we're n- we'll put that aside for now. Um, and 
Tobias goes and visits with the Hork-Bajir, who, one, there's more than just Jera and Ket here. They've been busy. Uh, not not just, that way. Not, just not in- that way. <laughs> they also have been busy that way, I am sure. Uh, but also... <laughs> but also, they've been rescuing other Hork-Bajir hosts just yeah. by their own goddamn selves because the Hork-Bajir don't need Animorphs to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, a dozen or more, many mm-hmm. of them starting to raise families. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias has this recommendation that it's possibly not accidentally headed there. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, mm, squints, squints in the Elemist's direction. Mm. <laughs> Was it time for him to learn a story, Elemist? You fuck. Anyway. Um, but Tobias reckons that like, he's been feeling down recently and there's something about seeing this fragile community of Hawk Bush, a free Hawk Bashir. And mm-hmm. how can that not feel good? Especially when he played no small part in helping them get here. Um, and I love how he heads towards the caves that they knew were there, mm-hmm. uh, where the kids had sort of figured the Hawk Bajir would live, but the caves are totally unused because mm-hmm. uh, the adults are all living in the trees. Yep. Um, uh, but he uh, flies down and um, perches next to uh, Jara. Mm-hmm. Where the Hork-Bajir gathered around a campfire of sorts. Um, and it's implied that they do this uh, fairly regularly. Um, and that they have a whole bunch of different stories that they tell around this campfire at night before sleep. Um, Jera continues to be an excellent host and offers Tobias some bark to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and then Jera says, hmm, we're not going to tell one of our regular stories tonight. We're going to tell the story of the Yerks and the Andalites. Uh, because our good friend Tobias is here. And I think he needs to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he begins by saying that his grandfather was a seer. Uh, and this is the first time we've heard this phrase of a seer. And the way that Jara describes it um, is that it is a hork that's different. Uh, seeing far, knowing much. Uh, Jara's grandfather learned the story of Andalites and Yerks uh, and gave the story to Jara Hami's father. And Jara Hami passed it down. And Jara Hami's father passed it down to Jara. Um it's very much uh, indicative of a very rich oral history. Especially considering that, like, this is a story that must have been told, like, in the cages around a yerk pool. Mm. Like, this is some awesome shit um, that, you know, they're... they're maintaining this culture and history and community even while being subjugated in such a way. Um, it does... Uh, I have seen a lot of people say that the hork are black-coated um, for a variety of reasons, and I think this is part, part of one of it, right? You have the mm. many different stories of uh, how uh, slaves managed to like 
keep hold of things that were important to them, even in absolutely abhorrent conditions and like being separated and all that sort of thing. Um, so Tobias says that, yeah, he's like, he would like to hear this story. Uh, and dear listener, throughout this first prologue, uh, we get a glimpse of the just gross as shit ableism that's going to be following us and haunting us this entire goddamn book. Because Tobias is a fucking jackass. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is but, the worst. And, yeah. and like, this, he describes the Hulk Bashir as being simple, not exactly the geniuses of the galaxy. Um, and it can be like talking to Jara, can be like talking to a four-year-old, um, even though, and they're very, even while, you know, complimenting with one hand, you know, like, uh-huh. there's some negging here. <laughs> um, and it's sort of wary about being told a story because they aren't the biggest talkers, or at least that's his impression right. of them. And when Jara's like going to tell a story, Tobias like expecting it to be very short. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yurks come bad fighting yurks win we lose and it's just sort of like mm. and it's because we, we're going to see a lot of that attitude yeah going through and this is not to excuse this and I'm saying it's like I find that kind of attitude is very common around people who have been dismissed for being smart mm-hmm but um and it's one of the ways that like bullied people hold on to a thing that maybe they are bullied for Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make your shitty attitude towards others okay but i know for a lot of people it can be a refuge and so tobias has his intelligence we we Mm -hmm. see that about him time and time again it's not the same as marco's but it is insight and intelligence and -hmm. i suppose that's what makes it frustrating because he's meant to be the insightful one yeah. And it's just sort of like he is so dismissive in his thoughts about the Hawk Bajir. Mm-hmm. But um he settles in for the story and he says about um even though it's still the same like limited human speech that Tobias can understand, because the rough stilted limited speech of the Hawk Bajir, mm, Danielle and I were talking about this in another context, just like Bitch, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> um, but, um, and Tobias talks about losing himself in the story, like he's hearing the original words mm-hmm. and the words of the people in the story. Mm-hmm. And we hear about an Andalite female named Aldrea, a Yerk named Espelin, the Hawk Bajirsia Dakami. Yeah. And uh, Tobias is uh, transported into the story. And apologies, dear listeners, I hate reading every time the iteration female is used as much as you. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) "Mm, I hate this. And I also, and we'll get into it, uh, Aldrea as a character is a very interesting and cool character. I think she's a good Mm -hmm. person. That's a different question. Um, (laughs) Given that this is the first time we are really spending any kind of time with um, a female Andalite, mm-hmm. this was not another look at Andalite culture I needed, quite frankly. 
<laughs> just sort of like, okay, cool. So they're assholes about this as well. Great. Yep. Just fucking <laughs> great. They're the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but our first chapter is from Aldrea's perspective. Uh, we get an Andalite date, a Yerk date, a hawk date, and an Earth date of 1966. Um, yep. This is the book that allows us to basically make a timeline for the series. <laughs> this is the book why the Andalite Chronicles timeline doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. I do find it interesting... <laughs> Um, Andalite's years have got a decimal place, so you assume that their years was it a root ten system? Mm-hmm. I don't know the, the math terminology. For Yerks, it's done as generations, mm-hmm. and where they are in a cycle, presumably a reproductive cycle. Mm-hmm. And the Hawk Bajir, it's based presumably on the seasonal time. It's literally mm-hmm. just uh, it's described as early warm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yes, yeah, so we enter with this perspective from Aldrea, and uh, we hear her name, Aldrea Iskelion Phelan. Phelan. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and she's like, I'm an Andal- she describes herself as an Andalite, a female, and that was all that there was to say about her back then. Later, she, she becomes more, her name becomes a cruel joke amongst the Andalites, and later a curse. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the story, she's just a young girl and i'm going to use my that terminology thanks um <laughs> eavesdropping on a conversation mm-hmm. uh this young powerfully built andalite warrior has burst in and is yelling um at uh the prince uh and uh it's a lawrence and Machikoras. we know that guy um yeah we know that asshole we know this guy uh yeah he would play a role in my life and the life of the galaxy but back then all i knew that he was enraged and we hear him yelling yes it's confirmed yes prince zero it has happened as i warned you it would yes it's that zero Mm -hmm. of zero's kindness Mm -hmm. uh and this is the revelation that the yurks have risen up Mm mm-hmm and Ciro is just like, no, no, that can't be right. They promised. They gave their word. And Lauren's like, I've got the receipts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, plays Ciro some footage of uh, some Geds um, marching up on um, some Andalite warriors carrying weapons, mm-hmm. uh, including one of them with an Andalite shredder. Um, and these Andalite warriors are rude as hell. Yeah. You know. Um, and we get like, uh, Aldira herself is, is watching this from wherever she's eavesdropping, but is watching this, uh, hologram play out. Um, and then the warriors are attacked. Um, the Ged with the Shredder immediately incinerates two of these warriors. Uh, and this has grabbed a wave of Geds to send on the other two warriors. Ciro is rocked by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aldero, uh, notes that his name is about, whose name is about to become a curse word and a joke. And Aloran is having a hissy fit. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I find it interesting to see like this younger version of a Lauren yeah. who still is so convinced of himself. But this is pre his trauma, arguably. Mm-hmm. And the really shitty things, just like, oh, no, he was always a dick, it would seem. He has always, in fact, been shitty. He just got worse. He got worse. Um, but And he's, like, yelling at Ciro about, what did you expect from parasites? Mm -hmm. And Ciro tries to, like, they have no history. The Geds are barely conscious in their natural state, which is real fucking classy, Ciro. Yeah. Um, Ciro's a fucking asshole yeah it's not as if they were stealing the bodies of truly sentient creatures they and the geds are symbiotic yeah you tell yourself that champ mm-hmm. um but like Aloran cuts him off it's just like this is the situation approximately 400 geds attacked a ground base they overwhelmed the warriors on duty there the ones who had been told not to fire on the Geds and Ciro's trying to explain just like they were never a threat I didn't want a warrior to accidentally hurt them um, and Lauren's like yeah no those 400 harmless Ged or these Yerks I should say butchered my warriors and Lauren is just like quite and lays it on like butchered mm-hmm. shall I show you the hollows of the aftermath these were the gentlest pictures I have others would you like to see what they did to the bodies of my warriors and like Adira picks up on the fact that as well as the pain mm-hmm. under Lauren's anger, that there is that guilt at having survived when mm-hmm. his friends died. We get this interesting beat of uh, about Adira. I don't know how I understood him so well. I was very, very young. So young that neither of the adults paid any attention to my eavesdropping. I was so very young then, but I had an active imagination. Maybe was that maybe that was how I could so clearly imagine the awful scene of Aloran stepping over the bodies. I shuddered. It must have been terrible. And I shuddered for another reason too. I knew, young though I was, that my father would be blamed. Yeah. And this goes on. These Ged seized the four attack fighters and two transports that were on the ground. And uh, because there was no warning... Um, the ships couldn't be intercepted and they've gone into Z space. 400 but not yerks. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, landing on the far side of the planet and getting a whole bunch of yurks from a pool. Uh, yeah, the scout runs in, a wounded warrior, and estimates that they may have embarked as many as a quarter million yurks. Mm-hmm. And Suro is like, losing it at this point mm-hmm. it's just like but they, they they're my friends the uh, leaders they can't know about this the council of 13 must not have known this is some rebellion some group of malcontents and Aloran, it just like shuts him down it's like you coddled them you trained them you showed them the universe you showed them all the things they could not have living here on this planet of theirs you even built them portable candronas and thus freed them and Ciro is trying to argue, like, they have the right to join other sentient races. They have a right. And Lawrence just like, a quarter million highly intelligent, ruthless and determined parasites have just been loosed upon the galaxy. They have six Andalite ships. How long before they learn to build their own? How long before they could become a plague? How long till they find some race more useful than the Geds, some race they can infest and transform into shock troops? There are thousands of inhabited planets in just this arm of the galaxy. 
And Aloran relieves Ciro of duty uh, on the grounds of um, a mental defect, specifically stupidity, the stupidity of kindness, charity to potential enemies. And it says, you're a fool, Ciro, a soft, sentimental, well-meaning fool, and now my men are dead and the yurks are loose in the galaxy. How many will die before we can bring this contagion under control? How many will die for Ciro's kindness? Even then, all those years ago I knew, my father's epitaph had just been written. Uh, Aldera runs out of the compound, looking up at the, uh, uh, looking out towards the Yerk pool, um, comments on how it looked like molten lead. And uh, she's been living there with her family uh, as part of showing the Yerks that uh, that they were sincere in their desire for peace and friendship. And comes that she's never liked the planet, had never liked the Yerks, and now they had destroyed her father's dream. Yeah, my father's love at peace had released the evil of war on an unprepared galaxy. Yep. And then we cut this... to two years later. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, there's there's quite a few time jumps in this, um, mm-hmm. which I appreciate uh, actually because um, it keeps things moving. Um, I this is the chapter that I think about when I think about when I talk about how um, the Andalites were not good to the Yurks, and then the Yurks like rebelled against them and. And were, it wasn't a ty- entirely unprovoked kind of thing, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, still bad, still yeah. bad, uh, but there's definitely this sense of, uh, Ciro definitely tried to reach out and kind of bring them into the fold of, um, uh, you know, aware, races in the galaxy, I guess. Um, and all the other Andalites were like, ew, gross, slugs, parasites. <laughs> <laughs> like, very much, it, it does reflect in a lot of ways what uh, Aftran told us last book. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what the Andalites thought of the Yerks, and that the Yerks were... Um, kind of rightfully chafing under that yeah like uh i didn't say it out loud but uh, in the little hologram that lauren plays um these warriors are rude as all hell yeah these uh yucks and it's like for all that lauren is a dick and he is um he has a point like you show them all this stuff that they don't have uh-huh. and then expect them to not want it. And yeah. I feel like that shows an understanding. Uh, even if he doesn't like them and he sees them as these parasites, obviously he's just lost a bunch of his men, um, his warriors, to this. There's an understanding there mm-hmm. that I find very interesting. Uh, yeah, but, so... Yeah, we cut to Aldrea and her family uh, flying to 
the Hork-Bajir homeworld. Not that they know that yet. Yeah, they, I think Ciro knows it. He, like, he knows yeah. who they're supposed to be, but, like, so Aldrea, Aldrea doesn't know that. Doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is 1968, uh, and it, Aldrea has been teased as the daughter of Prince Ciro. Uh, so her friends sometimes call her Ciro's unkindness, um, <sighs> because on top of being Prince Ciro's daughter, she also, uh, is, uh, very much bucking gender roles um, she's exactly the kind of girl if the, if mm-hmm. if Aldrea was human she's exactly the kind of girl that guys call a bitch yeah because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be a scientist or an artist the traditional quote female occupation she wants to be a warrior despite the fact that female andalites have smaller tail blades more like a scalpel than a great curved scythe and I'm like I bitch you see what a scalpel can do <laughs> this is just, mm. uh, but and how they're smaller. Um, and actually, mm-hmm. I like as we go on, like Aldrea observes some of the differences at one point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm just like, huh, interesting. I feel very justified in my choice of Andalite OC that I made. <laughs> um, but um, explain, and she's like, tail fighting's not everything. This is a modern war. It's fought with shredders and uh, ionic dispersion explosives launched from ships. It won't be about tail fighting. Right. And uh, and we have the mention of the very recent invention of morphing tech. Um, and it, many studies have shown that females are actually superior when it comes to morphing. <laughs> Shout out to Cassie, I guess. Um, but her parents, nobody listens to her. Not her mother, not her father. She points out that her dad doesn't really listen to anybody anymore or to anything. He does whatever small thing he's told to do, mm-hmm. um, which is why they are going to this planet where Ciro can do no harm. Yeah. It is, for all intents and purposes, an exile without calling it an exile. Um, they're told that they're sent here to learn about the Hork-Bajir and to make sure that the Yurks aren't coming here to take the Hork-Bajir. Um, ah! Excuse me. Which is uh, <laughs> uh, ironic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Aldrea observes the planet below. Um, it looks like a squashed melon, like if you stepped on a melon and the sides burst. This is such a dope description of a planet, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, this is some good sci-fi right here yeah it's uh uh an asteroid hit the planet's northern pole and it shattered the crust especially around the equator so you have like all of these crags and canyons uh and valleys around the center of the planet and everywhere that is is not those valleys is just a barren planet um whereas in those valleys you it like that's where the planet has managed to hold on to some of its atmosphere um that is where, uh, like things grow and live because they're deep enough that the thin atmosphere is less of an issue because it mm-hmm. can be rich further down. Mm-hmm. So, um, here we get the description of the walls of the valleys being green, but the floors of this poisonous, eerie blue that the sensors can't penetrate. Yeah, uh, a blue that does glow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's. The the descriptions of the Hork-Bajir planet, one of the things that uh, it 
it, you know, it's good to keep in mind is that, like, the entire time they're talking about living in the Sork-Bajir planet, one, it's in a valley. Um, and two, everything is on a slope. Um, because everything slopes down into these kind of jagged canyon areas, um, where the the blue mist is um and that they can't see uh and these trees are fucking huge i love as they go into land like oh dara packs up her stuff not very much of it i love the little detail of that she still keeps the wish flower um Mm -hmm. from when her family was hoping to have uh her brother who's the one that come and gets her right um I get the vibe that he's younger than she. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, she, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but she's clearly like a teenager. Like she's like Axe's age, maybe a little older. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely that sort of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. But as they're getting like taken down to the planet, we find out just how big these trees are. We're talking like mega fauna. Yeah, hundreds of feet tall. Uh, the smallest trees trunks some of them is a hundred feet in diameter like these are big ass trees or serious trees as paraffin <laughs> comments <laughs> um and uh, their mother uh whose name we never learn nope. i don't think cool we don't. <laughs> she's a biologist we know this so she's like new planet new trees new animals um so this place sucks for Ciro, but at least her mom's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get the planet's designation. Um, it's the fourth planet from a red giant star. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get this observation of, I thought there were sentient species on this planet. I didn't see any sign of them as we were coming down. And uh, Ciro just showing his colors it's just like they aren't a city building or road building species they are quite primitive according to the data from the robot probes their appearance can be fearsome but they are harmless gentle herbivores not especially bright i'm afraid no culture to speak of no written language no music as far as we know they don't build much if anything and they are technologically the equivalent of a primordial civilization which is just like fuck you my man <sighs> yep no culture none that we oh. cannot observe anything ego they got sh- jack she's like fuck off it, it mm, i hate it yeah, so much yeah the colonialist narrative is here and it is obnoxiously <laughs> loud yeah welcome yeah welcome to every fucking white person in a movie set at a period of time just like mm, yeah. yes we will go forth into this new and exciting land like, Ugh, this it. unclaimed land <laughs> bitch i live here <laughs> uh-huh. um and uh the bar- baraffin the younger brother was just like so why are we here and sarah explains that they're there to make contact as danielle was saying earlier to make sure the yurks are not moving against them um baraffin laughs is like why would they be interested in here in this place and one of the crew members who's dropped them off is just like they wouldn't be no one's interested in this place um and aldera comments that's why prince sir had been assigned here because it's a meaningless planet where the fool will do no harm he he could have said it out loud Mm -hmm. with the look 
that this uh, crew member gives Ciro. Mm -hmm. But, um, and for a moment, Aldera um, wonders if he's going to get mad and put this guy in his place, but just watches as he sort of like accepts the humiliation. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, um, and we learn that the name of these creatures, uh, whose planet this is, uh, are the Hortbashir. I will uh, say, they name a planet after its sentient species. Don't fucking ask the people that live there, <laughs> hey, what do you call your home? No, no. It's, what the? Oh, oh, God. I'm mad about this. Uh, which um, does imply that, like, okay, so if the Andalite homeworld is called Andalite, and the Horpizier homeworld is called Horpizier. Uh -huh. Then they just go around calling Earth human. Ha! <laughs> 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 ah, I suppose it's a nice riff on Earthlings, I guess. Just like instead of naming the people after the planet, we name the planet after the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Um But um as they're sort of getting this spiel from Ciro, um, Aldera is the one who spots that uh, something is moving coming around the base of the closest tree. Mm -hmm. And we meet our boy, Dak. Uh, we learn that Dakami is a seer. Uh, in We get, we get a, a kind of interesting little uh, vignette here of like his mom like looking at Dak and being like, hmm, you're different. Uh, let me take you to the elders. And the elders being like, mm, yeah, hmm, different. Yeah, he's different. <laughs> indeed. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, once again, we get the description of the seer as the one who is to show the hork a new way. Um, uh, and they don't know what new way that'll be, but it'll be something significant. And I really like this particular description of a seer as like, uh, just this kind of leader in a way of, uh, someone who is not, who is meant to kind of teach the people about something new and different. Um, mm -hmm. and not the way that it's used in this book and everywhere hey, else this one's a smart one yeah who can understand abstract concepts and it's like mm. yeah it's uh like it's really yeah gross. exactly because like you don't need to have both of those things like having dak be like the closest thing almost like a prophet or mm -hmm. like with an even and maybe an additional ability that yeah. separate like we all look, I love a good chosen one narrative, as bullshit as they can be. But just like just like an added level of awareness of the world could mm -hmm. be interesting. Um and and like Danielle, I like the notion of somebody that is going to help us learn something new. Yeah. And guide us through. So I'm like a prophet. Yeah. It's so but but no, it just it just means smart. It just means smart. Uh, mm -hmm. and we get that underlined because, uh, uh we get this, this little, this little treat of Dak <laughs> being like, 
Uh, yes, sometimes I think things that no Hork-Bajir thinks about, like what is really in Father Deep? How high is Mother Sky? Um, sometimes I like draw things using charcoal. Uh, and one time I showed my friend Jagel or Jagel, whatever, uh, uh, a drawing that I made of him and was like, Hey, look, I drew you. And J- Jagel being like, No, no, that's, that, that's not me. That's just charcoal on a thing. I'm, I'm here. And like, uh, but my friend Jagel did not understand. And it's like, mm. you, are, mm-hmm. are you really making the Hork Bajir not pass the mirror test? Is that, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Like, that <laughs> is so gross because, like, the number of creatures, like Earth sentient creatures, that can pass the mirror test. It's fuck off. Like, okay, so the Hawk the quote standard Hawk are less intelligent than parrots, monkeys, a few others. I, I don't, I am not a biologist. <laughs> but I know for a fact, quite a lot of creatures can pass the fucking mirror test. Yeah. Yeah. It, Mm, hate it, hate it hate so it. much. Uh, it's really gross. Uh, and this is not the first or only time we're gonna get it. Yeah. Um, so Dak, strap in. Yeah. Uh, Dak just like, and he's just like, oh, okay, maybe I am just being weird again. He says different. The vibe is mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he climbs up to an old tree. Uh, and I like this detail of how you strip away the bark, uh, mm-hmm. and like with his leg blades, and then he just holds on. And is wondering how, <laughs> what color is the sky? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but he realizes that he can see something different um, coming down from the sky. Yeah. Shaped like an egg, but with branches. And he's like, I knew that this was Mother Sky speaking to me. I knew that this different thing was sent to me. It was different. I am different. Mm-hmm. And he observes this sky thing lands and that creatures have come out of it not a monster from the deep um but he's able to count their limbs uh, notes about they have a tail uh only the one blade mm-hmm. uh on the end of the tail small horns um and then realizes that they're not horns they're eye stalks um and he approaches Mm-hmm. Um, and introduces himself, and they just stare at him. Uh, and to be fair, we we learn in the, like it takes a while for the universal translator to learn enough of a language to then start translating it. Um, mm-hmm. But this has some real potent bad feelings, like any of a certain genre of movie mm-hmm. where the white man meets one of the native population it's got big that energy yeah um but Ciro introduces himself and that gets rocked a little bit with knowing that it's uh the words are appearing in his head mm-hmm. um what uh, maybe um pr- probably equivalent uh, actually no it's clear it's his mother uh Aldrea's mother observes that he's probably a juvenile mm-hmm. and that maybe uh Aldrea or uh, Barafin should speak to him because they'll be closer in age. It's like, we're old. Let the young people talk to the young person. <laughs> um, Barafin's just like, nah, he's covered in blades. Not gonna. Um, but Aldrea <laughs> steps forward, just like, we are Andalites and we would like to be your friends. 
And Vak uh, is just like knows that uh, this is what he was waiting for. Mm-hmm. This is what he's been created for. This is what I had to understand so that I could show my people the way. Um, I love this detail of, uh, Dak immediately just, like, runs the fuck away. <laughs> Which, like, like, dope. Fair. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> uh, and he goes and, uh, he, he finds his mo- his mother. Yeah. Uh, and she takes him to see the elders again. Uh, and he, <laughs> and he's like, yo, what do? And the elders are like, ah, this is why you were born. Yes. Uh, go talk to them some more. <laughs> yeah, go talk to them some more. Learn, learn from them, and then show us the way. Uh, mm. Which, which is just a long way to say, I don't know, bro, you're the seer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he goes back, um, and uh, he he takes his friend Jaggle with him, um, and Jaggle's like, uh, why don't we just like climb a tree and watch, you know, like from over here. <laughs> and Dak's like, nah. I do like we they don't climb, so we can't climb to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like that awareness mm-hmm. there. Um and they uh continue to talk. Like do approach. Uh the Andalites have made a scoop. Mm-hmm. Um they've been left by the uh the dropship or whatever it was. Um brain uh and yeah talks again just like aldrea introduces herself again mm-hmm. um <laughs> the brother's just like i tell you what you do not want to have to fight these guys uh and again the observations yes we know the hawk bajira knife covered lizards but the fact mm-hmm. that just like that innate assumption that they would be violent because of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah because they're covered in blades. Yeah. And the only use for a blade is a weapon, apparently. Yeah. Well, to the Andalites, it is. Yeah, I suppose. You know, because they, they evolve them in order to defend themselves from predators. Mm-hmm. Theoretically. But, yeah. I mean, because that's that's interesting to me. Because, like, when I see, like, saying something with a sharp edge, the instinct isn't weapon. It could be tool. Yeah. What What does this Same. do? Mm-hmm. So, um, but Aldrea is uh, trying to like encourage conversation because right. they know she knows that more uh, stuff needs to be said for the translator to start doing its thing. Mm-hmm. So they have like she points to a tree and says tree, and so Dex tells her the Hawkbajir word. Uh, as st- or to be fair. I feel like he's specifying what kind of tree it is specifically, mm-hmm. which is a great little detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not just the word for tree. Like, presumably he's giving the hawk with you, but then he explains what species it is. And when she's like, okay, yeah. And he starts explaining about the biology of this tree, about mm-hmm. how certain bark is too old. Uh, and so it's no good to eat. So you need to get access a certain part. But you can't take too much of it. Uh, you need to leave stuff for growth. Mm-hmm. So you can only take the bark from the very top. Mm-hmm. And this is the truth given to us by the old one. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for the translator to kick in. Yeah. Uh, effective at 64%. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, uh, 
and the Ciro uh, and Aldrea's mom are like, "All right, why don't we why don't we let the young ones communicate?" <laughs> um, Aldrea seems better able to communicate with young Doc than you or I. Uh, the young Corpusier is not an official. I think this is an informal contact. Uh, and they're like, "All right, well, you kids have fun." Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then we get this really interesting bit. Where Aldrea blows Dak's mind. Um, <laughs> because he asks where her tribe tree is, where her home is. Um, and she says, it's not here on another planet. And Dak's like, okay, that makes sense. Not here because it's not here. What is another planet? Do you see the stars at night? She asked me. When Mother Sky is dark, she shows us her flowers. Well, each of those flowers is a star, like your own sun, only very far away. Jaggle said, no. But I said, sun is sun. Mother Sky's flowers are flowers. They may look like bright flowers, but they are suns. Hundreds of suns. Thousands. Mil- I mean, there are more stars than there are trees. They look small because they are far away. I heard these words, and these words made me think very hard. But then, yes, I said suddenly, amazed. Yes, things that are far away look small. This is true. Far is far, Jaggle said, looking alarmed. These stars are very, very far away, Aldrea said. And around some of these stars are planets, like this place, other places with very different trees and different creatures. I felt... I did not have words for how I felt. Things that are far away seem small, even when they are large. This idea was like an exploding seed pod in my head. Things that are far away seem small. If Mother Sky's flowers are very far away, they might be very large. They might be suns. My legs became weak. I rested back on my tail. I could not speak. Are you sick? Jaggle asked me. We come from one of those stars, Aldrea said. How, how can you come from so far? We flew, she said. Mother Sky's flowers were suns, and these strangers had come from one of those suns. The things I thought were true were no longer true. I felt... I felt that I wanted to know more. This feeling was not new, but now I felt that this delicate stranger could help me. I could know so many things. So many things. On that day, the old Dakami died. On that day, I truly became Dakami the seer. And I feel torn about this paragraph, or about this bit. Mm. Um, because on the one hand, I really, really like the description of Dak's, like, realization. Like, it very much feels like that person who doesn't know about astronomy and then you teach them about astronomy and they're just like, holy fuck. Yeah. Things are big. It's like, um, um I know there's that Tumblr post in the rounds of, like, the first time as a kid you go to, like, a planetarium or mm-hmm. something and you find out how big the universe is. And to yeah. be fair, this scares the crap out of quite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, realizing your your whole worldview just got bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, amazingly so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, you make the you made the observation and comments about the way sort of as he's talking he gets it um and you mm-hmm. referenced flowers for algernon and it's like mm. yeah it's, uh, i love the sentiments but the way that it's portrayed mm-hmm. it's just like we've seen like characters in movies and things like from displaced times 
for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It don't have to be gross like yeah. this. Just like, oh, we've got a level of technology that allows us to travel very long way. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, we have studied astronomy, whereas your people haven't put, like, a lot of effort into that particular branch of science. Like, yeah. Um, and and e- even if it's just like, ah, yes, well, we all just think that they're, they're flowers in the sky, you know, like a flat earther or some shit, you know, except wholesome. Um, (laughs) Uh uh-huh please continue (laughs) and then just like actually informing them like no here here is what those are and i really like that and i like seeing dax thought process through it um what i really really don't like is jaggle Mm -hmm. like being the uh is it a foil? Um, but just showing the... That's the polite way to describe it, yeah. Yeah, showing the quote-unquote normal hork reaction to this shit. Like, of of just, refu- one, refusing to understand, uh, and two, just, like, not being able... Like, it, the, the fact that it's, it, it's counterposed with, like, Dak realized like perspective, like things that are far away look small, and Jaggle just being like, uh, far is far. Like, Jaggle understands perspective. He's a Horkbajir that lives in the fucking trees for a living. He has to understand perspective. Like, mm. huh. Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and it's, so it, that that kind of encapsulates a lot of my feelings for just how Dax's intelligence and like being whip smart is portrayed here because like you could make it so that he's just much quicker on the uptake that makes sense yeah. In the same way that we've seen Andalites be surprised by how quickly humans can make intuitive leaps and right. things like that. Yes. Um, and it, there, there are so many ways to do this that aren't this. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so mad. Um, yeah. But yeah, I bring up the Flowers for Algernon thing because specifically, like, the way that Dak's chapters are written in this book get progressively more articulate Mm -hmm. and not in the way that it's like oh yes he is just learning more words like it it very much feels like this progression of intelligence that is slimy Mm -hmm. and gross Um, and it also makes me think like what language is he learning if, in theory, as we have been told, the hork only have a few hundred words in their language, which is bullshit, uh, what, what, what is he speaking? The, the whole rest of the book. Is he, mm-hmm. is he Shakespeare? Is he making up words for things? That would be <sighs> kind of cool. But, <laughs> like, somehow I don't think that that was just a thought. 
Yeah. Like he's not speaking the necessarily the Andalite language because the Andalites don't have as much of a spoken language. It's Maybe she's teaching him Gallard? Mm. Who knows? It's Who not addressed. Knows. And this is where like <sighs> first person narration when you're dealing with like language acquisition or like multiple language acquisition and thought speak and stuff like that, it's just sort of like these are maybe questions you should consider. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah. a couple of assholes are going to have a podcast a few years down the line <laughs> and be like, "What's up with this?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, before we move on to the next chapter, mm-hmm. do we want to be trash? Because we are trash. We are trash. As well we as being trash. like people that love to <laughs> analyze media and have uh, detailed conversations about problematic uh, and problematic elements and colonialist narratives. We are also here because we like to, when a character likes another character. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the other character likes them back. <laughs> I know. All right. So... So, to people who have read this book, yes, Dak and Aldrea's relationship is extremely complicated. It's also extremely canonical. (laughs) It's also extremely canonical. Uh, And Aldrea is an extremely conflicted and complicated character, and not necessarily a good character, and that bleeds into her relationship with Dak. However... I ship them so much. <laughs> the fact, like, yeah, look, the, the fact. What's interesting to me as I read this, knowing this, knowing the fucking art that Danielle has been sharing constantly, um, it's the same art every time. Just like, but look, um, don't feel that fucking Tom Howard. I've been looking at it for five hours now, <laughs> but. What's interesting and how this relationship will grow is that clearly the interest is on Dak's part first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he describes her as delicate mm-hmm. um, is the fact that that's the observation he makes. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's also enraptured by the fact that, oh, my purpose has arrived. Oh, and. Mm-hmm. My purpose is delicate looking. <laughs> but it's also a. <laughs> but like, when your focus feels like it's snapped onto something, mm-hmm. and also there is something about it that involves a person, mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to see like it's as much as what she represents, at least yes. at first. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's what makes the fa- another element of this of what makes this relationship complicated is because at the beginning, you know, does Dax just like her because she's teaching him things because he has his purpose now. Mm-hmm. He clearly does like her, mm-hmm. but also there's that element as well. Mm-hmm. The kids who like to uh, tear apart problematic ships would probably have a lot to say, <laughs> but in this moment as like a compare and contrast to uh mm-hmm. Elfangor noticing details about Lauren. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. 
in yeah. vibe. I will yeah. say, reading this, actually, it makes me wish even more that we got chapters from Lauren's perspective, or more from anything from Lauren's perspective <laughs> in the uh, Adelaide Chronicles. So. Yeah. It's uh, the, the amount of power that Aldrea holds over Dak is actually really well portrayed in this book. I think their relationship is one of the few things that this book, like, does well. really nails. Yeah, um, because, like, and you read it, Dak knows that mm-hmm. she has power over him. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the whole dynamic not feel fucked. Because if he didn't know and was just, like, moon, moon-eyed over her, yeah, that would feel very uncomfortable but he knows yeah and as he gets to know her better and is immediately able to see for what she is and Mm -hmm. who she is Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah it's 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 so good yeah it's i pointed out later it's these are two people who know exactly who each other are Mm -hmm. like they they know each other even even if they haven't quote-unquote known each other for super duper long it's been months and considering Aldrea doesn't have fuck or all else to do, and she's probably been spending, like, all of her time with Dak, mm-hmm. I would argue they probably know each other very well. Yeah. Um, but uh, just, especially from Dak's side, like, Dak sees through her bullshit constantly and mm-hmm. immediately. Like, and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. And just that, like... Like you said, that is what makes this not feel really slimy in a way that it could. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just makes it complicated and really interesting. Um, yeah, it becomes much like, more of a push and pull. Yes. Um, but we should uh, get into our third major player in this narrative. <laughs> yes, our, our favorite trash asshole. 